Welcome to Teaching Channel Talks. Every other week, I'll be talking to expert educators about how to best address the most challenging issues in education. I'm your host, Wendy Amato, and this week I'm joined by Leanna Malinowski. Not only is Leanna currently a teacher, she's also a leader in education as a contributing author to the new Teacher's Guide for Overcoming Common Challenges. Welcome, Leanna. So glad you're here. Thank you, Wendy, for having me. It's an honor to be here. Leanna, I want to jump in and ask you to tell everyone why we might be particularly focused on engaging with our students' families this year. We have always wanted our students' families to be involved and ask questions and be part of the instructional team for our students. And last year, more than ever, families were involved and surprise, they want more and we should be giving them more. So this is the year to really grab hold of the reins and to have them be as involved as they can be in the classroom. What do you think good family involvement looks like? In order to get everybody else going and organized, you have to start with yourself. So it starts with getting everyone organized, getting everybody up to speed and on the same page with all of the information, and then making sure that all the teachers that are involved in your classroom have the same information, and then, of course, reaching out to families. Are there any mistakes that you've seen that you would want to raise as cautionary tales I wouldn't say that it's particularly for new teachers, but new teachers often do struggle uh, with grabbing a hold of the communication piece. And because we don't always get that in our teacher prep programs, one of the mistakes that I've seen is not communicating enough. And we're teachers, we're tired, we have so many things on our plate, but we have to put communication with students' families on the top of our to-do list. And I think that the more we do share with them and the more general things that we can share out to them as a whole, the less you're going to get those questions coming to you individually. Are there some boundaries where we we don't want to have the families involved? Yes, I would say definitely, especially for my early educators that are just getting started and you're over-enthused, you have to set limits for yourself, for your own health and wellness. We often talk about the social and emotional learning for our students, but you know, it comes with that mask on the airplane theory, right? We have to take care of ourselves before we can take care of others. Um, The number one thing that I would recommend to help yourself is to set office hours and to set time limits with families very early in the beginning of the year. My families know from day one, and I post it on every platform, it's shared everywhere, what my times are after school that I am available. Because sometimes all people need is to see that instant um, gratification moment where there's a message coming through. We all have seen it. I am currently out of the office and I will turn your email tomorrow. So setting scheduled messages, having those set office hours, using apps that allow you to have quiet hours, are really just a wonderful thing because it sort of forces you to tuck it away for a little while and not overindulge after a certain time. I love the idea of setting office hours. I love the idea of having quiet hours and using our technology resources to enforce those. I I believe that teachers have the best intentions and sometimes we could run ourselves ragged as a result. I definitely wanna talk to you about how an educator can conduct effective conferences with families. Let's shift and talk a little bit about conferences. 
uh, conferences are my thing. I love meeting with families because that's our time to meet and to really just discuss and get to know one another and talk about the students' strengths, their uh, areas of growth and challenges. Um, and it's a very powerful time. I always tell early educators that I work with uh, closely, uh, parent-teacher conference time, like for me is in October, that should not be the first time that you've met with them. You want to have them meet you just to say hi and to get to know one another. And there's that, you know, culturally responsive piece to it too. You get to know the families, their dynamics, their likes, their dislikes, um, their concerns. And that way in October or whenever your first round of conferences is, that's when, you know, you can say, Hey, I remember this from September. Let's work on this piece a little bit more, or, Hey, we've done a much better job on a, B and C, whatever our goals uh, were that we talked about. Um, one other thing that I like to do to empower the families during conferences, especially towards the spring a little bit more is I like to say, Hey, you know, we're here tonight or today, you know, what concerns do you have or what questions do you have? What would you like to know more about? And I spin it. And, you know, we always talk about the flipped classroom. Well, this is the flipped conference. So I say, you know, do you have anything in particular tonight or today that you would like to talk about? Because I value that first. And then I can go into the things that I have on my list. When we think about conferences and uh, the formal structured ones that are part of the school calendar, I hear you saying that we want to make an initial contact first. Can it be super casual, super informal? Or are you looking to, to make a recommendation that has more structure? Something that I've done, especially because of last year, and I didn't get to meet the families in person, I made a welcome video and so did my co-teacher. We put those on every platform, our Google site, our Google Classroom. We posted it on Class Dojo, and the families were able to view it. And it was just a welcome to our class. I talked about what my favorite color was, what my favorite sport was, books that I love to read, things that I like to learn about in school. And the families, there, it showed how many viewed it and how many liked it on uh, Class Dojo and the other platforms as well. So it could be just something simple and informal, like a video or even a newsletter. Again, not everyone wants to use all the technology or families don't have access. So I like to use like the three-fold style brochure. Send home a, a welcome to my class newsletter. It just makes them feel like they truly belong. We have learned how to use technology over the past year and a half. And my gosh, a welcome video is certainly a, an effective way to use what we've learned. At the very least, including a photo in a letter home will help families to recognize you when they are arriving on the school property, perhaps for the first time. That's great. Leanna, you're published in The Teacher's Advocate. Tell me a little bit about your publication. That article I really enjoyed writing because it gave uh, tips and strategies on sort of how to you know take hold and be the leader of that instructional team. Last year I found myself, and, and even the prior year, um, when we had to uh, go home and learn from home into March 2020, my co-teacher and I were saying, "Oh boy, there's me and him." And there was like 10 other adults. We had a speech pathologist, occupational therapist, three related arts teachers, on and on. So everybody turned and looked at me and said, what, where are we meeting? What are we doing? How do we do this? And I said, okay. So by that summer, I said, I'm writing an article because we got it done. We got it done together. And managing an instructional team that large besides the students and the families was, I, I think, an accomplishment for myself. So I said, if I could give any advice to anyone to help them get through a similar situation, teaching virtually with a very large instructional team, 
I'm going to do it. Teachers have got to share the lessons learned. That's part of why I'm delighted to have this podcast as a, as a platform for teachers to share. Certainly with people like you, you have 13 years of teaching experience, and I believe that's across different grade levels. You have uh, general education experience, special education experience, and ESL. Talk to me about the transferable skills that you've been developing across all of that. So I have worked in a first grade and second grade as the general education teacher, but I am certified in special education. And I always say that to me, special education is just how us adults get organized because all students need the differentiated instruction. Students who are ELL learners, students that are having difficulties with reading or whatever subject, we need to differentiate and make sure we're infusing those equitable practices for all the students. It's not just your students, the special education teacher, or my students as the general education teacher. So I've really appreciated my work over the years being able to infuse those best practices for all of the students. I want to I want to switch things up and see if we can bust some myths about engaging families or about communication or about conferences. Are there any misconceptions that you can help clarify in the education community or any myths that we can bust together? I think a big misconception, like I said, that's been proven to us wrong as of last year is that families don't care. And I've seen more so than ever that families care so much. And I think that we have to take, even if it's just that one moment that we see that they're engaged or that they can be engaged for whatever the reason or cause, we have to grab onto that and we have to hold on tight. So it's our responsibility to continue to engage them. Um, You know, we never know what the family dynamics are at home and uh, why, but we have to continue to, to try. So like I said, that's the first misconception. The second one is that it takes a lot of time and a lot of effort, which is true, but it can be a little bit easier. Like I said before, setting yourself office hours, writing emails or messages when it's convenient for you after school, you can write them at four o'clock and have them sent out the next morning. So then you don't have to think about it. So there's a lot of different tools and techniques that we can employ to make communication just a little bit easier. So then it doesn't seem so overwhelming. I love it. So families do care and committing to the communication that engages families is definitely worth the work. Those are, those are uh, good messages for us to get out there. Leanna, thank you for sharing time with me. I'm uh, grateful that we're able to talk about how to engage families and why communication is important. A little guidance on conducting good conferences too. It's perfect. Thank you so much for having me again. It was a pleasure. To my fellow educators, thank you for joining us this week. You can find the links that Leanna and I referenced and discussed in our show notes or at teachingchannel.com slash podcast. And if you leave us a review or a rating on whatever podcast listening app you use, it will help more educators to find us. I'll see you again in two weeks with another episode. Thanks for listening. 